right, we're back with team. And today I've got another very special guest, Anthony Mallory, coming from Dayton, Ohio. Really, really grateful that you could be here with us today, Anthony. How are you doing, man? I'm doing pretty good. I'm glad to be here. Thank you. I'd like to just get right to it. Could you tell us how old you are and where did you grow up? Um, 44, just turned 44 years of age. Um, I grew up here in Dayton, Ohio, born and raised. Happy belated birthday. Hey, thanks. Appreciate it. Thank you. So what are you doing with yourself these days? You wouldn't uh, be on the show. Let me just back up a second. You okay. wouldn't be on the show if you weren't doing something positive and something successful. So let us know what's going on. You know, well, I'm an entrepreneur, um, owner of a trucking company um, by the name of Mallory's Express. Um, and what I do is just try to, you know, I just transfer freight from, you know, city to city through all 48 states. Um, and, um, you know, we're, you know, trying to grow and, um, you know, trying to actually be an outlet, you know, for other, you know, guys that's, um, you know, looking to, you know, get into the trucking career and, you um, you know, kind of make um. That's my goal. You know, is to get the guy you know, get in trucking career and um, and uh, you know, make money and uh, you know, travel the country. Mm, that's beautiful. So, I want to break that down a little bit. Mm. What I heard, what I heard you say is you own a trucking company. Correct. All right, and we're, when you talk trucking companies, you're talking those fifty foot uh, trailers that are the ones that we see on the interstates and the highways that are going across the country. Yes, sir. 53 foot trailer. Yep. And how many wheels those things have like 18, they're called like 18 wheelers or something, right? 18 wheels. When you, when you include the truck, the tractor and the trailer all together. Yeah. 18 wheels. Wow. So, so you have, you have a business where I guess, uh, you got the truckers that are coming in, drop, uh, dropping off their trucks at your, at your spot or, no, we actually transport. We transport freight. Um, we actually deal with brokers or um, shippers, and what we do is that we get their um, their merchandise or their freight, whatever they want to have shipped, and we actually get loaded up and we ship it to where it needed to go. So whether it's anywhere in, this, in the country within forty eight states, that you know we we actually go. Mm. So that's huge right now with COVID nineteen because without the trucking industry, without the people getting in those trucks getting on the highway and uh, delivering stuff, there wouldn't be anything for us that we need, right? Yes, exactly, exactly. I mean, it's definitely um, it's definitely a, a journey out there. And, um, yeah, we definitely, you know, do what we got to do. And we take risks, but, you know, as we, you know, keep ourselves safe and um, everything like that, we normally, you know, get it there with no problem. What kind of freight do you – I'm sure it's all kinds of stuff. Can you give us some examples? Yeah, well, we just uh, haul pretty much general freight, which is like um, household products. Um, it can be anywhere between, you know, um, uh, you know, household products, you know, food, um, um, things that you probably get at Lowe's or, you know, uh, Walmart, pretty much anything that needs to be shipped is what we ship. You know, besides we don't really do anything with hazmat um, or anything like that. But other than that, we pretty much get it there. Hazmat meaning like flammable stuff? Yeah, hazardous material. Yeah, like it can be flammable or it can be um, toxic, you know, um, nitrogen acid. I mean, anything that has to do with um, 
hazardous um it's considered a, a hazmat load yeah do you have employees uh yeah well um yeah we do we actually kind of small right now but um we are really looking to um to grow, you know, bigger, but um, I'm actually one of the main drivers there. I'm, I mean, I'm, I own the company, but I'm also a driver also. How how many days a week are you on the road? Um, well, it's kind of when I'm out on the road. We're on the road seven days a week. Um, you know, might be out there uh, two weeks at a time. You know, come home and then we have a little break. We might go out there again. Um, but once we on that road, we on there twenty four seven, and um, obviously we do a little. 10 hour breaks at night, but other than that, we're we roll. So you'll you'll be gone for two weeks, come back and maybe stay home for about a week and then get back on the road again? Yeah, typically. Um a lot of times that uh yeah, we go out there for a few weeks, maybe only come on for a few days. Um might go out there a few weeks, maybe home, you know, two, three days. Um kind of depends, you know, situation and drivers and um the kind of money they want to make. Um we try to make it available to where um, you know, we're a piece to drivers. Some drivers like to just get out there and, you know, come a few days and make more money. Some drivers like to stay home and spend home time, you know, for a week or so. Um, but yeah. Yeah. That's Can you walk us through the steps to become a trucker? What would you need to do to eventually be getting in one of those big rigs and getting on the road? Yeah. Well, first off, what you need to do is, um, I would say get a, um, Obviously, you know, make sure that you have a clean, you know, clean driving record. Um, um, I think start from the age of 21 is when they um, actually, um, by, you know, and then you got certain schools, which actually government actually um, offers funding for to go to certain schools where you don't have to pay that money back. So but, you got to go to a, uh, like a truck driving school. Yeah, is that truck right? Driving school. Yeah. Okay. How, how long does, sorry. Um, how long does a truck driving school last? Um, it depends. Um far as the, the typical school, it can be um, somewhere between six to eight weeks. Um, okay. That's not too bad. Is that full time or? Yeah, kind of full time. Like you said, you got that's just the main. But you got some some guys that like join certain companies, you know, that actually um, offer schools, which I kind of don't recommend. Um, but, you know, you actually would be. Um, so I don't I don't see some as, 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 as less than two weeks. Um, out here. I, I just think you need more training in two weeks to get on that road. Uh, what do but you recommend? I would definitely recommend to go to school, get the proper training, um, because you know you want to, you know, know about this truck before you actually get inside of it, um, because you know your life is on the line and other people's lives on the line on that road. So I mean, I, I'm big on safety, so I would definitely recommend that. Um, like I said, and, and a lot of times you go through the companies, um, they put you on contracts, and, and, and a lot of a lot of times it's like lock you in where. When you want out, it won't let you out. So the best route I would probably say is to go to through the schooling. And like I said, a lot of get government funding for that. Um, grants, government grants that we actually don't have to pay back. Um, that pays for trucking schools. And um, like I said, you would do like a few weeks in class and uh then you would do um, you know, some driving courses and then you would actually go on the road. And after that is when you come to guys like me or other companies where we would take you out and we would actually have you train with us for about 30 days on the road with the trainer. That way you kind of get a feel, know the ins and outs. And I like to say when they're comfortable, then I'm comfortable. You know what I mean? So it's not like, hey, you got everything right, put you on the road. Hey, if they're comfortable in another week, I recommend do another week. Uh, but other than that, 
um, yeah, that's that's the process, you know, and um, get on your own and, you know, you kind of, you know, start driving and make your money. So back up just a little bit from the mic. When you see a little yellow dot, that means that you're you're going to get a little too close to the mic. Um, I, w- I want to just summarize the steps that you just went over to become a trucker. Uh, but first, do you need a GED or a high school diploma? Um, actually, a lot of it's up to the not actually to get your CDL. Um, a lot of companies, some companies require your GEDs, but it's not necessary. You don't have to have it. Actually, it's, it was um, um, a pretty good um, outlet for me. But, um, you know, I mean, I have my GED and my college education, but I don't think um, yeah, you don't. It's not required to have that. Just to have a valid driver's license and, um, and the proper training, man. And um, yeah, that qualified. So so if, if I'm interested in being a truck driver. Where would I go to find out where these schools are? And then how do I get, how do I apply for the money to pay for the school? Well, um, I personally didn't go through the school. I went through the, the wrong way through the company side. But um, I could tell you that go to your local job center, um, your local um, places like that. Hey, let them know, hey, look, this is the field I want to look into the transportation industry. And then they're guys to the right step. Let them know I want to do the schooling thing. And, um, they they have all the information and they would actually get you to the right through the right steps. Can can you support yourself? Can you support a family on on the income that you're making as a truck driver, an over the road truck driver? Yeah, definitely, um, definitely. But then again, it depends on you know the kind of the company that you actually go with. Um, you know, with my company, I mean, I definitely try to. I mean, not try, but I am definitely fair and I definitely understand what the drivers go through, and uh, we you know we put the drivers first, but. Um, you know, you got kind of got a lot of companies that's not so honest, you know, um, where you kind of get drivers out there, you know, away from home and, um, you know, where they got over excessive drivers to where they don't need a few of them. And um, and you kind of hear your little bad stories. But, um, you know, but um, overall, man, I think everyone makes enough money to be able to take care of their family. Just got some that makes more than others. Yeah. So, and I guess that once you get into it, you'll start to see and read between the lines and figure it out, talk to people, network with other truckers, and you'll start to kind of know know how to navigate, right, to kind of move up or find the yeah. right company to work for. Yeah, you kind of know navigate, and you got a lot of drivers. We like brotherhood, so a lot of guys kind of, kind of, you know, tell you kind of where to kind of, you know, stay away from um so another thing too, um, I don't want to leave that out. That if you know, also if you kind of, that's why I'm big on safety because you kind of got a, a a bad, um, not a too good of a driving record, then you won't get too good of, of the jobs. Um, most of the the, the the good jobs and the good trucking companies require, you know, good driver records. Want to make sure that you safe, the product make it there safe, and um, yeah, um, yeah. Thank you for emphasizing the importance of having a clean driving record. And so if somebody has a point or something like that, that'll go away, right? You just don't get any more. You got your clean driving record and you make sure that thing stays clean. Exactly. Here's your life. Livelihood. Yeah. Livelihood. Yeah. You got three different ones. You got your MBR, you got your DAT report, but you also now we have what's called a CSA report. Those are different driver's licenses that you just mentioned. And the CDL. Yeah, when you have it, when you have a commercial driver's license, you know, of course, everyone has a, a, a MVR. 
Um, but you actually have a debt report which reported this from company to company. Um, but what the most one of the most important was is CSA, which is uh back up a little bit. You see the the okay, you'll see these little dots on the right corner of your screen. And when they get yellow, that's when it's that's like a warning that that you're close. Okay. okay. Excuse me. Okay. Yeah. So what I was saying is that you got three different um reports on your license as a commercial license. Obviously, your personal license just have to worry about your MVR. Um with this with the commercial, you have an MVR, you have a DAT, which is pretty much translate from company to company about a driver. But then what's most important, you have a CSA score, which is called a, um, which is um, commercial safety accountability. Um, used to be where the companies was only liable for what drivers do, but now they make it to where the drivers are accountable also. And those are where the points come in. Now, you know, you get a certain amount of points on that. It's kind of out of the company's hands. Um, even if they want to keep you, um, the insurance won't cover you. You're going to be in that company. It would be hard for another company to pick you up because, you know, you're a liability. And that's why it's, it, it's very important to keep your license um, clean, safe. You know, I tell all drivers, man, if you're tired, yeah. don't worry about that load. Pull over. Get your rest. Excuse me. Sorry about that. Yeah, you know, I let them, hey, you know, get your rest, man. Um you know, do it safe. You know, DOT, they're out there and hey, I mean, they're going to do their job. They're going to enforce it. But as a as, as a safe driver, man, I mean, you know, you go out there, you make good money. You safety money. Everybody knows that. Once you're safe on everything, you know, you make more money being safe. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, I hey, great. That's good, good, strong messages because it, that it, it's so critical to make sure you keep that that record clean. And like you said, you, you're going to get more opportunities with the clean record. So it's just not worth taking that chance when you're going down that hill and your speed limits coming up or any of that, any of those things that you could get a point, you just, just be careful. Yeah. What is one of the, um, what do you love about being an over, over the road truck driver? Well, you know, I just love entrepreneurship. Um, I just love um, entrepreneurship, but as far as the road, it's, it's therapeutic to me. Um, sometimes I can just kind of just get out in that road, just me in that road, man. And I could just, you know, I could just sort things out. Um, maybe having a, you know, bad time where I'm mad and I can just leave and say that thing is behind me, you know, and go state to state, meet different people. And you start seeing how, you know, different states act different ways. You know what I mean? So yes. I start meeting friends, you know, in um, different states and different, I mean, it's just. It's how just many like, states you've been to? I've been to all 48 states. Wow. Uh, I've been through all 48. I mean, I've been driving for, uh, had my CDO about 10 years, 2010, about 10 years ago, almost 10 years ago, actually November 2010. And um, when I first got it, it was just like, wow, you know, I'm in uh, California. Never been in California before in my life. You know, here I am in San Diego, LA, you know, uh, North Carolina. I mean, I'm in Vegas. Like, wow, you know, I'm watching this lit up. I mean, I'm getting paid for it. And it was awesome. like it was a dream job, you know, and I'm like, I just never imagined it, you know. So, um, you know, I had to love for it. And I, you know, decided to say, hey, one day, you know, well, you know, let me let, let me go and see what I need to do to see if I can buy a truck, you know. And mm. I've done that and I bought a truck and and I was on an operator, and I made more more money, and I was able to choose where I want to go. You know, and um, you said a, sorry, you said a key word. You said 
I was an owner and operator. So that basically means that's a different type of a driver, right? That's when someone yeah. owns their own rig, their own yeah. truck. Yeah, okay. different type of driver. It's like graduation. You know, we start off as the as the company driver. You know, you learn the ins and outs. You take it up a notch. Yeah, get you a truck, man. You just and that's when you start making the big bucks. You know, it's and your with, truck. when you get your tr- you get a truck with good credit, right? You keep your credit clean, pay the bills. Don't let your uh, you know try not to have credit cards. But if you do, make sure they they get paid. Exactly, exactly. You know, yeah, you, you you get your credit up. You learn how your credit slip. With go to your local bank and. Hey man, I, within another year or two years, I wanted to set about your what I need to do. And a lot of you know banks, they would give you a pattern. Hey, look, you go X, Y, Z. Um, we can get you there. You know, set up a little plan, and um, you know, once you like you said, get your credit, you know, up to par, you can go get financed for a truck. You know, save, put your money down, and hey, man, you're making like four times the money you was already making as a company driver. You know, so wow. and you get the and, tr- and you got a beautiful rig. Beautiful rig. I mean, your choice. You know what I mean? What do you want in? You know what I mean? You want the refrigerator? You want the microwave? You want? You know what I mean? It's just it's up to you. You know, it's your choice. You got like a computer. You got a computer in there with internet too nowadays. Well, well, yeah. I mean, you know, you got like well, laptops like everybody else. Yeah. um, So you can can get a Wi-Fi signal and all that. Yeah, you can get your Wi-Fi, um, you know, through like truck, different truck stops offer Wi-Fi. Um, a lot of times, a lot of guys nowadays use their hotspot from their phones, man. It works just as good mm-hmm. as internet, you know. Um, wow. There's different ways. You know, just, yeah, just watch your movies and yep. talk to your family and you know, wake up on relaxed time and get some good rest, get up, yep. start again next day. So uh, how did you get into the trucking business? Well, I got in the trucking business um, because before the trucking business, I had a, a cleaning, a janitorial cleaning service. And it was back with the economy 2008. Um, when that hit, you know, first thing everybody was, was you know, trying to downsize is the cleaning. Yes. And um, I had a few police stations and um, a few, you know, city accounts. And they was like, hey, we downsized. So I had a few few buildings left that I was you know, doing. And another guy that I do, he was doing a cleaning business. He said, I'm going to stick it out. And I ended up just selling him the um, remainder of my company, bailed wow. out, um, you know, looked into the trucking, man, and um, got my CDL. And I just what, was it a conversation that you had with somebody that said, hey, man, you know, th- this is a good good thing. You may want to look into it. Or was it someone that you just knew that that was doing it? Yeah, yeah. Actually, I had a friend of mine, um, you know, by the name of uh, Donnell. He actually um, um, guided it first. Um, he... Um, and was kind of encouraging me to, hey man, let's go ahead and uh, try the trucking thing. And at the time, I'm like, well, you know, uh, you know, my record, I, I didn't know because it kind of seemed like you know a little bit too big for me. So mm. he went and he said, man, look, I don't talk to people, man, and, and it's a way to get through it. And you know, I just kind of brushed it off, brushed it off, you know. And like I said, when the economy hit, mm. um, you know, and like I say, he stayed adamant. I'm like, you know what? Let me let me give it a shot. And uh, beautiful. How yeah. long have you been an uh, owner-operator? In other words, how long have you owned your big rig? Well, I've owned a truck from, let's see, uh, I first bought my first truck in uh, 2000, in about November 2013. Wow, about so seven years. Yeah. What kind of big rig you got? 
Uh, I had quite a few. Um, I had the internationals, the uh, Peter Bills. Um, excuse you me. Have a, a big match, or what? What is the one with the with the big dog on the on the top on the front? The Mac. Yeah, the Mac. Mac. I own the Mac. Yeah, that's one of the I have on with. Those are some oh, pretty okay. solid songs that I've had. Know the Peter oh, and, the, and the internationals and um, yes, the Cascadias, you know, Freightliners, things of those natures. I wonder. I wonder if you're going to be getting a Tesla down the road. Cause they're about a Tesla. Yes, hey, and those are real reasonable. Yes, sir, they are real reasonable. Also, yeah, no, no diesel. That's a big saver. Um, you know, that's a big a lot of extra money. A lot of extra money back in your pocket. Yes, sir. Yes, it is. <laughs> Do you know any? There are. They're not. They're not for sale yet, are they? I've heard they are starting to start putting them on order. Okay. Okay. Um, well, yeah, they're not actually out running right now, but they're starting to put them on order right now. So, all right. So, you've owned and operated your own truck for 13 years. Prior to being in the trucking business, you <clears> had a janitorial <throat> service business where you had accounts where you were working in. Uh, you said, I think you did. You did you say police precincts or did you say jails uh, where you would go? That was well, one yeah, of the so, yeah. precincts. No, I, I didn't have any contracts um, at jails. My cleaning business, I had police precincts. Um, I've had, um, you know, a uh, few banks. Um, I've actually had, you know, um, you know, a couple of sprint stores, you know, things like that. You know, that keys and codes to them. And, um, now, you know, um, now. So, so yeah, it sounds like you had a very successful janitorial business before the economy tanked in 2008. Mm-hmm. How did you get into that business? Well, I got into that business, um, you know, um, now that's when I was struggling before that business. Um, you know, um, I have a history of, you know, I have a felt on my record. And, uh, we're going we're to cover that. Yeah. And, um, you know, so I was kind of going from job, you know, job to job and, um, you know, just trying to figure things out. And like I said, everybody who knows it has a felony knows that when you get the application and once that question comes in, have you been convicted of a felony? If so, explain. It's all over from there. And it just got so bad. Like I said, I became a father, man. I was trying to take care of my family, struggling. And, uh, you know, actually at my breaking point where I'm like, you know, kind of wanting to give up and, uh, so, I mean, I prayed about it, you know, and I'm like, you know, I tried to fight it. I'm like, how can I feed my kids? I need to go back to what I know, what I know how to do, you know. And um, I just had, you know, like I say, um, a, a voice of, you know, what I believe is my higher power, you know what I'm saying, Jesus Christ. You know, um, I just felt that, I just felt that a higher power speaking to me. He's saying that, hey, you're looking too low. You know, if you want to um, overcome these obstacles, you need to look higher. And um, I had a, a friend from Africa that actually um, had a janitorial cleaning business, and I was a, I was a delivery driver at Pizza Hut. <laughs> and I was uh, you know working that, and it wasn't too bad. But um, he had you know called me one time, and he said, "Hey, Anthony, would you like to you know help me out on a on a contract that I have?" Um, and I said, um, "No, sure, you know." So we went out to um, over the bridge, Florence, Kentucky, and I've. I took off, you know, work for those three weeks, and he said, "Hey, we're gonna pay you this much of money, and just for the weekends." And um, you know, I'm like, "Make good money." And now, you know, I'm always been like, you know, a researcher. You know, hey, man, let me talk to you. I'm like, "You paying us all this money?" And 
And uh, you know, we have he's buying lunch, and I mean, I mean, he's not going to McDonald's, he's going to be getting Applebee's and TGI Fridays, you know what I mean? So I'm like, okay, we're making good money, but how much you making? And he took me to the site, started running numbers, and I said, Well, look, I want to do what you do. And you know, and he actually kind of showed me um, you know, like you know, the program, and this is what you need to do. And I started I got a franchise and I had it in my mind, I'm gonna set it, so I worked that piece of a job and End of the year, you know, I had an income tax return. I just, everybody buying cars or furniture. I'm like, nope, I took that money and I put it in towards a franchise and and I just took it from there, you know. And um, you know, I bought the cleaning equipment, so I became the car loan guy, you know. Like they wanted to uh, shipping their wax and they called my company, you know. They want the the uh, carpet clean, they called me. So I, I, I did a lot of special services and, um, and you know, and then I, and I, and then like I said, when I can't realize, hey, I don't have to worry about applications no more. You know, things that was that was literally shutting me down didn't even exist to me anymore. So, you know, um, I've done, um, you know, I have to worry about, you know, getting fired. I don't have to worry about nobody judging me behind my past for my past, you know. And, and the most blessing behind those things, I was able to give employment to people. And that was the most satisfying thing about it. Here I was having trouble finding employment. And here, you know, my power, you know what I mean, put me in a position to be able to give employment. And, you know, um, and that's where I started that at. And like I said, you know, it's actually we've, you know, we've, we've grown. And, um, and you know, I did. I was doing pretty good. Like I said, I was the call. I had so much equipment. I had the Kyvax. I had the extractions. I had the, the low speeds. The high, I mean, you name it. I had it. Every time I got one, I put it back into the business. I mean, it was like, hey, you know, it was just, just, just overwhelming. Like I said, when the economy hit. You know, it just started slacking down. I'm like, well, let me try something else. And when I got into the trucking industry, you know, I've already had the entrepreneur mindset. And I just learned how to maneuver the entrepreneur set into the transportation business. And here I am now, you know. Beautiful. So how uh, long were you in the janitorial service business? Uh, I was in there from... I I want yeah, about... About five years, about from two, mm-hmm. about 2003 until, mm-hmm. um, yeah, 2000, actually, yeah, 2000, yeah, to, to 2008 when they come. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So just to do a summary of your professional life in the last 15 or so years, you were a successful entrepreneur in the custodial business, and that started just by a friend asking you if you wanted to come help him out and you were hitting a lot of dead ends, doors closing in your face. You did some prayer and you were just not willing to give up quite yet. And through that prayer, it really gave you some extra strength, which you needed. And that opened this. And and it just was at the perfect time because this friend had this opportunity. You saw, wow, here, this is something that I could do. You took full advantage of it. You sacrificed. You were working at Pizza Hut. You saved, saved, saved. You took your tax return. You invested that money into yourself, into your business. And you let that business. And then you just hit the ground running. Your business started growing. And as it grew, you kept investing your profits more into that business. That business kept getting bigger, bigger. Things were going great. And then out of your control, the economy I mean, everybody suffered at that point in time, 2008, the the housing market crash, et cetera. But then 
you had all of this wherewithal, you had this knowledge and you saw the opportunities of entrepreneurialism in a legitimate way. Mm-hmm. And you just took advantage of it with another res- uh, sort of a similar situation where you had another person close to you kind of in your ear a little bit about, hey, you know, you may want to try this. This is kind of this is pretty good truck driving. And then boom. And here you are now, thir- 10 or 13 years later, owner operator of a trucking company. If people come to you with a new license in their hand, clean record, and, and I mean record in terms of driving record, mm-hmm. you may be able to give them an opportunity. Correct. And I'm not to let you know, um, <coughs> excuse me, the, um, now I was the owner operator, but I also stepped up from an owner operator to now I am a carrier. So I actually can hire owner operators and I can hire drivers. So yes, I mean, I've been put in the position to where, you know, hey, you know, my name is on that truck. I can run your truck. I can run, you know, hire you for my truck. Um, and yeah, and we're- So actually- in other words, you've got, you've got companies contacting you saying, hey, we need to move this, these, these goods from this state to another state, we need a driver for that. And you, you've got your own, you know, uh, work. So you need drivers to help you with all of these extra loads that you, that you get. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, like if, 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 if I have no, have a contract that, Hey, maybe it be, might be a little bit too much for my company. And we can always contract it out for other companies or other owner operators, you know, for other companies. Um, you know, so yeah, it's just the you know we at the top of the chain, but we still have a lot of room to grow. I mean, we're we're kind of at the beginning of the top of the chain. You know what I mean? Yeah, so, I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah it's, it's like, exciting. Uh, yeah, it's exciting. That's why I just want to enjoy the journey, man. And um, yeah, so um, sure. definitely, yeah, definitely, yeah, yeah. All right, successful entrepreneur, businessman in two thousand and twenty. But not it wasn't always like that for you, Anthony. And you wouldn't be on the show if it was. There was a period in your life that was very dark and a low point. And I want you to take us there. Okay. Um, how far are you planning on what you want to go back to? Where, where do you want to go? Okay. Um, well, let's, okay. I'll take you all the way to the beginning. You know, um, you know, at the age of seven years old, um, you know, of course, my mom, you know, I lost my mom. Um, she passed away. And that was, you know, the light um, that I've had. And that was when I felt that my darkness pretty much started. Um, you know, the loneliness, um, um, just the, you know, the fear of lost, you know. Um, and, you know, as time went on, and I mean, I had family. You know, I think your mom passed. Uh, she passed away from um, ovarian cancer. Mm-hmm. She passed away, and she was only twenty four years old, and I was seven. And um, and no, and for a while it was just me and her. You know, I was the only child. And then um, to the last year of her living, you know, um, I had a once. My, I have a little brother who was one at the time with her passing. Um, he really have no memory of her. Um, but you know, we was uh, um pretty much adopted by you know my aunt. We, we still stayed in the family, and um. And I had family that still loved me and, um, you know, cared for me, but it was just still that void um, that was not fulfilled, you know, um, still that lost, you know, it kind of felt lost. And, um, 
And I think where the problem came in is I started getting used to the void. Um, I started creating my own world, you know, um, my own thinking, and um, and I became real angry. You know, I mean, I would get into a lot of fights in school and kind of couldn't explain why, you know, um, um, just where well, I probably should have been in counseling, um, but I don't think my family had the, you know, the um, the resources to actually get me the correct counseling that I probably needed. But, um, you know, so I kind of grew up, you know, fighting, angry, um, you know, just wanting my mom, you know what I mean? Where I just wanted to just be gone if that's what it meant. Maybe I just wanted to be with her. Um, I was never like a, you know, a suicide, a suicidal, you know, type of person or even mindset, but I would act in ways to where I didn't care if I lived or died. And that's where the journey started for me, you know, and um, like I said, as eight times started going on and, you know, years started going, I've been introduced to, you know, um, activities that, um, that actually um, was helping fill my void. Um, okay. You know, such as, you know, street activities, you know, um, you know, drugs, guns, you know, fighting. I mean, I was always just silently angry. You know, it was just, I mean, I enjoyed making friends and I wasn't like a, never been like a person to to um, start make trouble with people. But it, it was a silent, you know, silent pain there. You know what I mean? It was like, you know, it was a certain fuse that was touched that, you um, took me out of the reality, you know, so that made me um make decisions and, and, and things that um that I felt that was appropriate for my void, you know, and um so you got angry a lot and and you and you used anger. Anger was a power for you. Yeah, it was anger and not really saying like what well, anger to where I'm just angry when I hurt. It was just, I was angry. I was angry at God. I was angry at my mom, you know, for, for not, you know, um, being here, you know, um, and, you know, I was angry at family members for not understanding my pain, you know? And so what I've done is I've put myself in a position to where I was able to internalize it and get used to it. You know, it became my world, you know, um, and it became a norm for me. And um, my decision makings from that, you know, came came from those things. You know, it's like, hey, this is my world. You know, I'm in my own world. So for anybody on the outside to come and persuade me against that um, wasn't acceptable for me, you know. Um, and I mean, I knew, you know, you get the story, say, hey, man, you're going to get killed out there. You're going to, you know, a lot of times when you kind of out there, and I'm sure a lot of guys that's, you know, in the streets kind of feel like we know what comes mm-hmm. with it, you know, okay. um, you know, and we accept that, you know, what I mean? yeah, right. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's like, what, what am I, you know, I mean, I'm out here fighting a losing battle, you know what I mean? I'm not fighting to win, you know, I'm just surviving for the day. And, um, you know, and like I said, it comes to activities, you know, where you come, you know, to guns and, you know, to, um, you know, selling drugs, the fights, the robberies, um, you know, anything it takes. All that stuff. You were selling drugs, fighting, robberies. Robberies. Um, anything you probably can, uh, you know. Um, Was this from, what age do you think you started this uh, 
was it as early as a seven? And then until when? Well, actually, I no, um, I would probably give the age group. I mean, as far as I can remember, introduce, I would maybe say maybe 12. Okay. Uh, me and um, you know, my older brother, which which is my cousin, but I was, was raised as my brother. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I was 12. He was 14. And we would actually, you know, go to that, you know, crack houses and you know we crack and we would sit there and we would you know try to sell you know little bits it wasn't much you know we you know 20 bucks and turn 20 bucks to maybe 100 bucks and that was good money for us being you know and uh just took off from there you know age of 13 you know um i was um you know i was caught at school with with the um with the i was carrying guns by the age of 13 which i actually um had a charge where i was um you know had a firearm in school um and, um i went through that Went through, you know, did, you get, did you have to get locked up when when you were arrested with that yeah, gun? I was, yeah, I was arrested. Yeah, I was arrested. Um, you know, as juvie in school and um, at thirteen. At thirteen, yeah. What kind of gun were you carrying? Um, at the time it was like a twenty-five, a twenty-five automatic. Um, and um, not that I was you know in school, you know, to hurt anyone, but just you know, sometimes you get out there, you just kind of feel like in you know, the activities, you know, it's almost like having clothes on, you know, like hey. I don't have a gun with me. I'm kind of naked out here. You know what I mean? And, um, mm-hmm. and not realizing that, hey, you know, I'm in the school area around other kids. And, and I understand, you know, um, it got around from this person to that person. So it got the security and they came to my classroom with the police and, you know, kind of surrounded me and, you know, took me in from there. Um, you get to go home that day or were you, did they take yeah. you away for a while? No, I was able to go home because I um actually um the the, the uh, firearm that I had um luckily at that time I, it wasn't I didn't have it loaded um and that made a big difference so like I said the officer came in I think we kind of fed him a little story and <clears throat> we know where where you know hey man I just well I just found this gun type of thing and you no know, but I still was charged with it but I wasn't not not he wasn't aggressive at that time um. So um, you got a charge at age 13. Did you have any other arrests um, as a teenager? And did you have to spend any time in a juvenile detention facility? No, that was it. That was it. Um, you know, I you know from that point on, I was it's probably why I ended up, you know, doing the, um, the ultimate prison because <laughs> I, I was I able to get away. You know, hey, man, I'm, they can't catch me, man. I'm too good. You know, to, to not get caught for many years yeah 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 you know you get to have your mind hey man you know you pick you thinking you're picking your right circle you know you got your master plan you got your certain people and you you start you know like i said you've been your own world you start feeling like hey man i can't be touched you know uh i'm good you know what i mean i'm good at this i'm good at most people because hey they keep going in coming out going in I'm still out here, you know, and we was making, you know, pretty good money and, you know, uh, doing certain things. And, um, and, you know, we was, we was there, you know, but I will tell you at the age of 16, um, you know, I was, um, you know, I was actually, my life was almost taken. I was, you know, shot in the face point blank. Um, yeah. With a, yeah. Yeah. I was shot right here. I was shot in the face right here. Um, went through, went through it. Thank God that we went in on this side, went through, and my I just grew wisdom tooth. And it was a hollow point bullet that shot me. So when it hit my wisdom tooth, it blew up. 
Because if it wouldn't have hit that wisdom tooth and blew up, it would have ricocheted off my brain. And that's what saved my life was that wisdom. I mean, all this is like, even to this day, it's not a bone. This is all reconstructed wire. How and old were you when that happened? I was 16. 16, 16 years old. old. And was the gun pointed like right? What Was the barrel on your cheek or on your mouth? I wasn't on my cheek, but it was in close range where that's it just, I just, entered, just entered that certain way. And I think I said, once again, I give all glory to my higher power. It just wasn't my time yet, you know. Um, 16 yeah. years old, you get shot in the face. Shot in the face at 16 years old. And, um, and 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 at that moment, like I said, with my mindset was I was at a peace, you know, um, where I wasn't afraid. I wasn't. It was almost like finally, man, it's about to be over. You know, um, mm-hmm. where's it going to be? Like you know, the next hour when I'm not here no more. You know, like I said, I always you know just had a deep void that I just didn't want to be here anymore. You know, not really realizing it at the time. I didn't know that I didn't want to be back. So I reflected back, you know, and that's when I was realizing what was really going on. Um, and, you know, thank God that, hey, you know, I was, you know, I was able to survive that. And I had a you know, great doctor and, and everything was good. But at the same time, you know, here we go. Hey, man, my, my mentality was that, you know, it couldn't kill me. You know what I mean? I can't be killed. You know, I'm just that good, you know, not realizing what's saved. I'm thinking I'm just that person, you know, so, you know. Like, uh, you know, I'm trying to think of some celebs that have gone through that and they feel invincible, right? Like, mm-hmm. yep. Yeah, it, it, it makes you feel like, hey, man, I'm not. Tony Montana. Yeah, like Tony Montana. Yeah, you really started feeling that way. And, um, you know, like I said, then after a few years later, not even two whole years later, the big one comes, you know, that's when I actually. Um, so 18. Face at 18. And yeah. here I come. Walk us through that. Um, well, it was an older guy, you know, um, a little older than me. Um, he had just um, came out of um, out of prison. And um, I had, you know, actually you know um long term you know money to help itself out and um and this time went on you know things got better i started asking hey man you know what about this money situation you know he kept saying oh, i get you i get you i get you and uh one day we had a football game and um you know i asked him again you know hey man let me you know put you to the side and talk to you so i have respect for the guy you know and i'm like hey you know what about this money thing and just all of a sudden, I man, you keep asking me about this money and I won't pay you anything. And now I'm just, my fuse is just getting harder and harder and harder. And I'm just like, okay. And, um, you know, next guy I know, you know, went to my car, got a gun, you know, whacked me mm-hmm. with it, went off. And I started, you know, I pretty much took everything he had, you know. Um, and, um, you know, police came and I was able to flee, you know, get away. Um, but, you know, they still people that kind of knew who I was and whatever. They, they caught up with me later on that day. Um, and um, long story short, I ended up, you know, uh, being sentenced um, for quite a few years for that. And, um, you know, something so minor. Well, I thought it was really serious. But in my mind, the things that I've done already was like, man, that was something minor, you know, um, but I, again, I, I thank God for that, you know, um, because um, things that you think that you get away with, you know, it may be something minor that, that gets you there. And um, 
And throughout those years, I came to realize that, hey, man, that time, like, saved my life. You know what I mean? Um, and, you know, they woke me up. I'm looking at when they, they look at the time. I'm looking at, like, 29 and 50 years and nine years guns. I mean, three gun specifications before I even started my time. I'm looking at nine years. So at 18 years old, it's like, man, when I went to school, I've always kept my grades up. <laughs> That's something. I, mean, I always, always or did you did you graduate from high school? Nah, I, that happens. Uh, say about four months before graduation, I almost made. I almost graduated. We're on yeah. the way to graduate before you got locked up. Yep, yep. I got I I uh, got locked up in February. Well, like, well, I got sentenced on February of um in ninety five, and my graduation that year was I believe in May. Mm. So a few months, but I've actually had the charge was um, filed in December of '94. Um, mm. but yeah, right there. I mean, I was just talking to my guidance counselor, man. We were setting up, you know, doing some night school. I was a little behind. I was doing some night school and then had everything. She's so like, "You're going to graduate on time," and you know, and there it is. And I mean, boom, just like that, you know, um, you know, just gone. So I ended up still getting my GED. Um, did you do that while you were locked up? Yeah, while I was in prison. Yeah, I actually got my GED that 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 same well same through the same year. How um, did you how did you spend those few years being locked up? You got your GED and Yeah. Yeah. You know, I had my GED. Um I ended up getting the certificate in HVAC, um heating ventilation, um air conditioning. Uh, um, so that enough so just to slow that down. You got a certificate so that you could work on um, air conditioning and heating systems for commercial properties and residential or. Exactly. This is when I was, these are the programs they offered when I was, when I was in prison um, that I was trying to, you know, taking advantage of. Um, never was able to do any work in those fields, um, but it's kind of that I was, um, by the time I've gotten out, it was a whole different, um, let me turn this thing off. I'm sorry. Was it different technology? Yeah, not really different technology. It's just that it really wasn't my my love. I think I've kind of just like experimenting and seeing, hey, look, if this is, let me see if this is what I wanted to do. Um, But by the time I did come home, you know, it was like a, you know, I wasn't, I had a certificate, but I never had any. Got it. To use it. where were you locked up at? Uh, Dayton Correctional Institution is where I was locked up at. Did you go to Dayton High? I'm sorry? School, Dayton High? You said, well, no, I was locked up in no, I, Um, I got that. I, I should have asked my question better. What high school did you go to? I went to Meadowdale High School. Okay. Meadowdale High School, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and you were 21 when you came out? No, I was 22 when I came home. Okay. Yeah, I was sentenced to uh, five to 25 years uh, with good days. So I ended up doing close to maybe three, close to four years, and I was able to get released to come home. Uh, there may be, I'm sorry, please. Didn't mean to interrupt you. Oh, no, no, no. You didn't interrupt me. I was just thinking about, yeah, that was just, the, I came home when I was 22, and um, and that was the, um, the start of the new beginning. So before we get there, um, there may be listeners that are 
at a point in a crossroads of their life where they may be looking at that as the next chapter if they don't turn things around. What 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 do you have to say about that experience in prison? Is it? Yeah, it was the um, it was the um, you know, a bittersweet moment. It's all about how you use your time when you went there. Um, you know, um, I was able to reflect and able to see that I was being, I was, I was being my worst enemy. I mean, I looked at everybody. That's my enemy. That's my enemy. But when I got into those four walls, man, I mean, I couldn't realize who I really was. And I'm like, I, you know, and I have to do what I have to do to change that. You know what I mean? Um, this How is not. Did you come to that? I mean, that's really deep. You, what you just said, you said, you know, before it was like, that's my enemy. That's my enemy. Ever, oh, I got all these enemies. And then you, you, you're in, you're locked up. And then you realize, no, I've been my own enemy. I've been my own. And the reason I came up with that is that when you start reflecting on the things in your life and the fingers start pointing back to you, you know, you put yourself in these situations. You made these choices. You know, this is what you wanted. And it's almost like an out-of-body experience when it starts scaring you, when you start thinking how your mindset is thinking. You know, here I am. I was trying to kill myself. You know, when I said that void, you know, without realizing, I thought I loved me. If you was asking me, I, I love myself. I'm going to protect myself. But it was me that was my worst enemy. It was me that was trying to kill myself. It was me that, you know, when I got shot in the face, I got right back out, you know, got a gun and was right back out there. You know, it was me that made those decisions and I ended up doing, you know, five to 25 years. And I, I wasn't worthy of being here when I see my friends, you know, murdered. You know what I mean? I mean, it's just a, a feeling you get where you, it, um, and like I say, if, if some guys that's, that's in activities, I mean, they would know what I'm talking about, where you have friends that's murdered that didn't even do half the things you did. And those are the things that when you start realizing I'm not worthy and you start realizing that, hey, man, it's not me that kept me here, you know, through all these things I've been through, you know, my higher power, you know what I mean? You know, my God who I serve has protected me and I'm not worthy, you know? Um, but on the flip side, you start seeing what he has in store for you and how he can use you. Cause I always wondered like, why me? You know, my best friend was murdered and he was always telling me, you know, Hey, Man, you're doing too much. <laughs> this is what you know, I mean. I was the I was the one. You know, you're doing too much. Oh man, I, I don't know how you man. You you need to slow down and and you know, um, he was murdered. You know what I mean? How old was he? Uh, at the he was well at the time he was murdered. It was he was uh he was old. He was about let's say about twenty nine thirty. Were you with him? Hmm? Were you with him when it happened? No, I wasn't with him. I wasn't with him. Um, at that time, I was already in my, you know, my trans, my transformed stage, my transformation. Um, I was no more parts in the streets at the time. Um, and he was, you know, just uh, he was out here still, you know, selling drugs, and but he, he was not the violent type of guy. And I just always said, like, man, look, you can't really be out in these streets and 
I mean, because everybody tell you in the streets, man, you can't, you, you got to be, I mean, it's like you got to have some type of violent streak or you want to get ran over, man. It's kind of one of the things that happen to him, man. You know, you can't be friends. You're friends in the streets and nobody's your friend out here. And I talked to him and, um, you know, we talked about it. And that's the thing that killed me the most. I, I, he told me the situation and I was living in Cincinnati at the time. I had, you know, moved away. And I'm like, hey, man. Look, why don't you just get your kids, man? I had found them a place. Hey, man, I talked to a friend of mine that had a place, and he said it's okay. Get your kids, man. Come down here, you know. Just and um, you know, at the smoke of blue, he said, "Hey, man, we cool." Me and the guys talk. I'm like, "No, dude, you know how I go. They're not gonna tell you." And he got mad at me, and he said, "Hey, man, I'm not running." If they want me, they know where to find me. You know the tough, you know the, the pride and the tough talking. And, and uh, man, about a month or two later, man, you know, I get that phone call. He was gone. Yeah. And um, yeah, I have you know talked to his his kids' mothers all the time, and you know, you know, my goddaughter, which is his daughter, is my goddaughter, and she's she's a young adult now. And, you know, I see her and I talk to her, and it's just. It breaks my heart, you know. I mean, I'm like, you know, your dad loves you so much, and I just wish he would just listen because he could still be here and watch you grow up and walk you down the aisle, you know. Um, and it just, um, yeah, yeah, those are things that um, you have to sometimes deal with when you make that change on the straight path. I mean, it's, it's not all peaches and cream because you have to leave you leave your loved ones behind, the ones you loved and. You know, you served all these years in the streets, man, and and it's almost like I mean, I kind of put it sometimes with the, with military guys, you know, um, because that's how we look at it. You know, we was out here, we was in war, and you know, we was actually we was had war, you know, war buddies, and and when you have to, you know, walk away and leave them behind, you know, almost like you know, the story in the Bible with the pillow of salt. You got to just walk, and you can't look back, or you're going to turn into the pillow of salt, you know, and um. But it hurts because people that you love so much and you care about is in the streets. You know what I mean? And I, man, you've got you've said so much there. Um, but I gotta I gotta stop right on that point because that's like relationships. How do you what do you do with these relationships? How do you you're gonna see these people that you're close with, maybe you're not so close with, you're gonna see them, they're in your neighborhood. You walk out the door, there they are. You're trying to turn your life around. You're making decisions. You're looking at the world a different way. How do you main how do you maintain a relationship with, with these people? How do you how do how do they stay how do they continue to respect you? Or or does it not work like that? Yeah, it does. And, and the thing it is that it's, it's 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 almost like you know. Let me see you do it. So I, I mean, believe it or not, I had encouraged me. I mean, we're not you know guys in the streets, man. I mean, when they when I made certain different decisions, man. I mean, I had so much love and encouragement, like man. And because I mean, a lot of times we don't we we don't believe that we can make that change. And a lot of us in these streets and that's out here want to make that change. We just don't know how, you know, because when I did get out of prison, you know, I, I, I wanted to, 
you know, I, I, I know I want to change. I want a difference. It's not like I came home and was like, hey, man, I'm a changed guy. You know, um, I came home kind of struggling, you know, because I'm like, I'm, it's hard not to be me. And um, I'll never forget that time where I watched, I, I was the one that watched my cousin Steven make his transformation. And, I'm, and I encouraged him. I was proud of him. You know what I mean? Like, man. Like you're making your transformation, you're seeing somebody else. Yeah, this is before my. Changes. Is yeah. that right? Yes, yes. This is before my transformation. I watched him make his transformation, and it just blew me away. I mean, I've always looked up to him. Even I looked up to him when we was in. When I was in the streets, and I looked up to him when he got out. You know, and um, I never forget. You know, um, I was on parole, and um. You know, I still had 20 years over my back and I was out here and I was selling drugs and I was in the uh, in this drug. This is when you're like 20 in your early 20s. This is when I got out. Yeah. This is when I, this is when I got out. Yeah. I was still you no. Know, I'm like I said, it's, it's never overnight thing. You're struggling. Um, and I was struggling. Like I say, you know, with the job thing, I'm like, well, let me go back and do what I normally do. And I was sitting there. But my. My conscience wasn't the same. I did. My heart wasn't the same in here, and I never forget. Um, a lot of uncomfortableness, right? Real, real uncomfortable because I mean, Very uncomfortable. Not yeah, like before. Not like before. My my, my comfort, my it was just not there, and um, I, 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 I was in a drug house and another drug house like down the street from me that got raided by the cops. And I'm sitting in here like, oh, my God. And I'm like, if I get out of here tonight, I'm going to do what I have to do. And I made it. I mean, I got out of there. I drove back from to Dayton, Ohio. And I got up that morning. I called my cousin, Stephen Mallory. I said, look, man, look, hey, this is what I was doing. And I ain't trying to do it no more. And I love him to this day because, like I said, first thing he told me, he said, where are you going to be tomorrow? I said, I'm not about to be at the job center. <laughs> and I don't, I didn't tell him no time. I don't know what. Job center? Yeah, I said, I was going to be at the job center. He said, are you going to be tomorrow? I said, I'm going to be at the job center. And I was at the job center. And uh, I didn't tell him, I don't know, I didn't tell him no time or anything. I know when I was coming out the door, he was at the door. Mm. And we just. How's that feel? Oh man, so like, like he was, you know, it was like, you know, it was my hand, you know what I mean? And that's the part I was getting to with the relationships, people in the streets. See, now we're over here, we're able to be that hand mm. to reach out to those who wants to come. You see what I'm saying? You know, we're creating, you know, situations and knowledge, you know, you know jobs and things like that to say, hey, look, it's something better than what you're doing. But when you come to that, you no, know, you can't make anybody make decisions. But once you come to that decision and you need that help, because I still have the same love for you that I had then, but I have it over here. I can't come over there. Now my hand is right there. And he and he was my hand. You know, he was that hand. I mean, it was so many guys that, you know, he talked to that didn't want to hear. And it's probably been times that I probably didn't want to hear. it. But at that moment, that time, you know, when I needed him. He was my hand and he he didn't just call me or talk to me. He showed me he was at that door.
And we literally, he took me out to eat. i never forget with the Ponderosa. <laughs> and we just talked and we went to a park and he just started giving me the analogies. And he was just, I mean, we don't roll on the ground. We, I mean, it was, I, he was talking about a prize. You know, you got to keep your eyes on that prize. We hit the ground. We look up. He said, I can still see it. Can I'm like, I can see it. Get up. Can you see it? I can see it, you know. We're following our bats. Can you still see it? I can see it no matter what. Don't take the eye off that prize. And um, and I knew then that no matter what obstacles come in my way, you know, I'm going to keep my eyes on the No matter how painful it is. You know, I, I've came to realize that, you know, uh, process is painful. You know, it's not an easy thing, you know. But I've went through and I put my life on the line for nonsense. I was willing to die for nonsense. So why am I not willing to fight as hard for this prize that I see, you know, for this blessing that God has for me? And, you know, when I came to realize that and when I started realizing it's not even about me, it's about what he kept me here for. I didn't die for a reason. You know what I mean? So how did you get so close to God? Um, well, he's always been a solid voice in me. Like I said, from seven years old, I was angry at him, but I had an uncle, his name is, um, Harrison. And, um, since we was little, you know, he was, he was the guy where he would say, Hey, you know, we go past there, we try to, you know, walk past him. Cause you know, he's going to stop you and he's going to, you know, read Bibles to you. And he's going to put things in you and he's going to keep you there for hours and, but through those things, you know, he taught us. Him. If you see him in that room, no, no. Nah, nah, yeah, he, he had a room and we tried to sneak past, you know, because his son, which is my cousin, Derek, which he also was was murdered. Um, um, yeah, and it was just, um, yeah, that's no, yeah, but he, yeah, he was, but anyway, you know, my cousin Derek would say, hold on, my daddy's sitting right there. He'll try to sneak through, he'll make it, and you try to make it, and he'll say, hey, come here, you know, and he had you in there, but he would like, you know, Planting how to pray, you know, he taught us how to pray, he taught us how to, yeah. And it was like, even though as a child, I still had that in, and that was the seed that he put in me then, you know. So, as I, you know, went there and I went to prison, I was able to, you know, call on him. That seed that he planted then started growing, and he started speaking, you know, and I knew, and that's why. When I did come out and I did try to do some of the same activities, my spirit just wasn't right with it. I just was just so uncomfortable mm. with, with the thing. And like I said, when that situation happened, that was it for me. I'm like, hey, let's, I'm ready to fight for my life, man. How many years was it until you had that moment with your cousin from when you got out of prison? With Stephen, yes. Uh, within the, um, it was within the same year actually, because I was I was still on parole. Okay. So, um, where yeah. was your where was your dad at this whole time when you're growing up at seven years old? My dad, my dad was not there. Um, I knew who he was, um, but uh, my dad had a you know he had an addiction. He had a he had a severe drug problem and. The only relationship that um that I did have with my father is when I sold drugs. Mm. Um, when I didn't sell drugs, you know, we had we couldn't find each other, you know. But when I stole drugs, um, you know, 
from relationship we had, you know, um, this house would be where I sold drugs at, and that's the relationship that we had, you know. Um, but far, you know, I guess through the years, you know, he kind of, he used to see us, you would, you would think I was his father and he was my son, um, but he just wasn't there, you know, and I think he, he passed away a few years ago. Um, mm. And um, to be honest, I, I just, you know, I was there, you know, I tried to, you know, I was there, there, but mostly I wasn't. Um, I didn't know him, you know what I mean? Um, it's, it's hard to say, you know, but um, yeah, you know, push me to want to, you know, be the best dad I can be to my kids. Okay, we're back. This will probably be a se second segment, but we were getting into uh, your father and your relationship, and and it reminded me of a very powerful quote about how parents they can be great examples. They can teach us either the right way. They're going to teach us. This is this is. They're going to teach us. They're going to teach us either the right way or they're going to teach us the wrong way. Right. And if they teach us the wrong way, that's still a good thing because it helps us understand what not to do. Exactly. You know? If the if the parent isn't home, if the parent's not paying attention, not reading with the kid, not checking in on feelings, sharing feelings, being honest, saying I messed up. You're right. Not not just trying to, you know, don't. Don't practice what I do, son, you know, uh, or, you know, don't, don't, yeah. I, I get to do the bad things. Yeah. You just listen to, you know, none yeah. of that. Do what it, I say, don't, don't do what I do. <laughs> thank you. You know, yeah. if, if you, the kid's going to see all that stuff and we, we get an opportunity to either be good examples or bad examples, but one, we're going to be one of those two things. Yeah. Um, you know, when you made your change with the help of support of God, Stephen, and it sounds like there may be some other people in your corner. Definitely. Um, what, what was it all? Was it still just and you touched on it a little bit? And I just want to hear a little bit more. You were saying that it's. You know, it's not, it's not easy. And but but I looked at it like this. If I'm willing to do all kinds of difficult things and risk my life for nonsense, for worthlessness, for things that are going nowhere for me. Why wouldn't I want to use that same energy, that same work ethic, that same determination, that same energy of anger, emotions, and channel that into, okay, I have a challenge here. I have this relationship with this person, but I need to interact with him. I need to get along with this person because it's just part of the situation or, okay, I got to commit to doing this for a certain amount of time and it's not going to be fun and it's going to be difficult and I'm going to have to make some sacrifices. But once I get through it, it's going to be a lot better situation for me. Yeah. Why wouldn't I use all that energy that I know I have because I've done some amazing things, you know, in the wrong direction to doing them in the right direction. And that's a really ama amazing way you, you, you looked at life. And I was just wondering, how did you come up with that? Um, it was just, a, a just, it just entered me. I mean, the energy, I mean, just something I kind of challenged myself with, like I would literally, you know, um, just 
try to change my thinking when it comes to certain things. If I don't feel a certain way about something, I just try to put myself in a situation because I know I can't go back. It's not an option. Um, but it's been times where I just want to, you know, it's been time I wanted to give up. Like I was thinking about the, about the job thing with the pizza. I mean, you know, those moments where, you know, because it's a, it's a continuous, I mean, every day, you know, you have to renew, you know, you have, we fight and it's like, but we understand is that even though that we changed our lives, you know. Um, oh, wait a second. I got a timeout right now because the Pizza Hut experience where you were having a real hard time checking the box for job applications and getting denied and you weren't seeing opportunities. It started to pull you and make you kind of think, you know, that that time where. The drug house got busted, but mine didn't. And I was able to get out of there. Mm-hmm. And I said, I'm not going back. That that the, that happened before the the Pizza Hut where you. Yeah, all that happened before the Pizza Hut. The uh-huh. Pizza Hut was during me. My, after you had made a big transformation. You yeah, were, yeah, you yeah, hit I, a valley. Yeah, yeah. Ready to do what I had to do. Um, and like I said before the piece, I mean, it was so bad. I would have to lie on my application just to say, Hey man, at least I can get a couple of paychecks before they find out I have a felony. I mean, it was like, no one wants to give me a chance, you know? And then you start, you know, thinking like you start, you know, your mind start playing tricks. You know, you say, well, they say you only want you to be a productive citizen, you know, it's supposed to be for rehabilitation, but do they really want me to rehabilitate? Because I'm trying to rehabilitate, but they keep shutting doors on me. So what are my options? You know, I have kids to feed now. You know, I mean, now I'm a father. Um, during my time in prison, I wasn't a father. You know, I came home and I became a father. And so you get to thinking like, hey, man, you know, it's not about me. Now I'm willing to do what I used to do is put my life on the line. But in my somehow poor judgment, I'm thinking now it's for my kids. You see what I'm saying? But it's still a poor judge, like I said, because whatever happens through that moment, who's going to take care of my kids? You know, I started, you know, I challenged myself with certain questions and um, certain things, you know, and um, and I just started praying about it because I'm like, something has to be done. You know, my kids, you know, they have to be taken care of. You know, I'm not going to walk run for my kids. You know, I'm going to, you know, do whatever I have to do to make sure that my kids survive and and uh, like I said, it was just when they came to me and said, hey, you keep on getting because I keep looking too low. If you look higher, you know. Then. These doors wouldn't be an issue, like I said, once I became an entrepreneur, I never had to worry about applications being denied from an application or a job. Um, That's where I wanted to go with you on this, Anthony, is that this check the box application. Have you ever committed a felony or have you ever been arrested? Mm-hmm. That isn't going to go away. I'm afraid anytime soon, but there are some changes I hope going to happen. I know somebody working really hard at, and who's committed to, to in his career to do that. He went to, he was a felon who got it reduced from good behavior and turning his life around, went back to college, got a degree, then and actually finished in the top of his college uh, class and then got a full scholarship to law school and is on his way to becoming a lawyer. 
And he's fully committed on trying to change the criminal justice system, including this check the box problem. Because so many people, Anthony, are going to go through what you went through. And it's almost like a 50-50 flip the coin kind of a situation in terms of whether they, they, they don't have the internal strength to just keep having the door slammed in their face before they finally say, you know, I'm yeah. not going, I, I'm just going back to my old ways because I got kids, I got responsibilities yeah. and yeah. this is not getting me anywhere. Yeah. So what do you say to them, Anthony, until the system changes, what can we do for those? What, what do you say to these people that are going to go through what you went through? What I would say to them is I would try to push entrepreneurship, find something that you love to do. Um, you know, whether it's, I mean, in some, get, some get a trade, so love to do, but it's good, make a living, you know, um, because entrepreneurship is, is and, and they don't teach that in schools and they think they should. Um, they don't push it as hard, you know, but entrepreneurship is, is, is literally the key in the answer. I mean, when you out in the streets and you sell in Georgia, you're an entrepreneur. All right. Um, you already know how to be one. Yeah. Some of the best businessmen is in the streets. <laughs> you know, we know that. And um, you could just take that same knowledge that you already know and put it into the other side. You know, learn how to get an LLC. You know what I mean? Learn how to, you know, I mean, EIN number is free. You know, you call it RS and you get an EIN number, it's for free. And when you say EIN number, you're talking about an employer identification number, right? Taxpayer number. That's just what you would use when when you are filling out your taxes at the end of the year. And and that allows you to deduct your business expenses from the money that you get. So, you know, that's a big benefit, right? You know? Exactly. Exactly. I mean, tax route, whatever you're using. I mean, if you get to use your fuel to get to where you're doing your business, that's a write-off. I mean, you even buy a car that you're using, you know, it's a write-off. It means everything is, is and, and you, will be, you will be surprised of the blessings and the doors to open up in entrepreneurship. And I, I you, you you weren't right away doing it, but but it didn't take you much time before you were offering jobs to people. Exactly. Not at all. I mean, like I said, I, I've actually started off as getting a franchise, you know, um, which is it's entrepreneurship, but it's not the entrepreneur. But I mean, it was it's your introduction to me. Um, I had a cleaning franchise and like I when I've learned it and um, yeah, I, that's how I've learned how to. OK, well, how do I learn how to branch off of this? And when you start kind of thinking outside the box and thinking for yourself and not just going with tradition, you know, tradition with we teach you, hey, get out there, get a good job, make a paycheck, take her. Well, not guys like me, that's not that's not more reality. You know what I mean? Um, so I got a couple questions for you. What would you say your greatest character strength? has been for you my greatest character strength um i would say my greatest character strength has been for me is is self-motivation believing in myself man um and also embracing others that's on the same path as i'm on um and being able to be accessed and to be able to be a help to those, you know, who 
is willing to make that transformation because I know it's hard, you know. All right. This will be segment three. Uh, we were getting into what one of your greatest character strengths were and you were you went through some of them motive you're self-motivating very self-motivating and also that you you just got this uh energy to give back to help others and that those have been very helpful to you oh yeah definitely i mean you know um why why has helping others been helpful to you helping others been helpful to me is because it's i understand that the help is not really over there for the guys that want it. I mean, nowadays you got a lot of guys that, I mean, I won't say guys, but our community likes to sometimes withhold information. Um, and when I say that, I'm saying, you know, we'd like to put labels on us. And I say us because, you know, I was, I'm a, you know, a part of that. And, I, and like I said, I, it's always a part of us. We just have to, you know, sometimes we keep, it's like keeping a bear sleep. You know what I mean? So you, it's like you, your family, you know, you understand family. You don't want to leave them without having to bring them with you. And once you obtain information within the community that was an easy access and it can't get to them, you're like, you're that messenger. Um, and no one that people understand that, no one really wants to stay there. It's not that I don't want to change. It's that I don't know how. What am I going to put in replace? You can't make someone change something without helping them replace it. You understand what I'm saying? Wow. And, very, very and, um, nice. Yeah, you know, and so I guess that's what I get out of when I go and try to and I said, I want to go back and end it. Cause like I said, you know, it's, it's, I identify it. And I, I just can't come over on this side and act like, you know, that never existed. I was a really big part of my life. And, um, and I, I, cause I've always wanted change. I just never knew how to go about it. Cause you know, you got guys say, I got, I mean, I got two, three, four felonies, man. What good is it going to do over here? What so do you say to them? I'm sorry. What do you say to them? What I say to them now, what I say to them is, hey, man, it's always the way. You have to find a way. You have to kick down doors. You can't sit there and just wait for somebody to open a door, especially the ones who's putting the labels on you. They're not going to do it. So when you go out there and educate yourself, you know, you go to these doctors and, and not, I'm sorry. Well, me too. I'm sorry as well. Um, if it takes a hundred door, if 99 doors don't open, it's that hundredth one that, that may open and it be a life changing door. Yeah. I remember reading, and this is like basic salesman stuff, mm -hmm. you know, where you go dot knocking on doors to sell something. And the Kentucky fried chicken guy, it was like that for him. I mean, you know, the, the, the Colonel mm -hmm. guy, yeah, so yeah. he had like a thousand failures. Until yeah. that one after that was yeah. the great success. And it's yeah. just the never quit determined attitude of, and people will see that positivity, right? They'll see that this person's just determined, man. And, yeah. and we reward that. We yeah. There are people that reward that. Yeah. Yes. And not only that, is that you're going to find that one person 
that that can see you. And that's the problem is that and I encourage people that's over here also. And that's when like Stephen called me and he, he told me about you. Hey, no problem. Anything, you know, when you when you talk to me, you say, hey, man, this is what I want to do. Man, it's because we need this. You know, we need this, these, this, 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 this interview that you're doing right now because we're letting them know, hey, man, I see you. And and um, I think that's that, that, that's all it takes. I mean, when you start getting people that understand from over there is that we're the outlet. We are that hand to say, hey, look, grab my hand. Let me show you that there is a way. Let me show you that you can you can you don't have to keep staring at that little bitty box with that check mark right there. Chicken that felt me. See, I went to a judge. <laughs> I actually paid money to go to a judge and get that felony off my record. And it destroyed me because she literally told me, hey, you never can get that off your record. <laughs> That's on there for the rest of your life. You know, I have a you paid like an attorney money. And yeah, then it turned out that it was just like a, a complete wait. Watch, yeah, you have yeah, the the the, the, the degree of the, the crime that you have um could never come off. So I'm like, so you mean Tim, I could never leave you no know, and um but like I say, you just never stop. I mean, when you in the streets or were you doing anything in in criminal criminal world period you don't let anything stop you you don't even let death stop you you still do it you don't even let the you know the years and years in prison that you know that you're going to get if you get caught it doesn't stop you so like you said earlier you take that same energy you put it over here and you don't let none of those discouragements stop you you keep pushing and like i said those doors open. some some doors you might have to kick in because it won't open up you might be stuck but it's going to be somebody also that's going to come on the other side of that door and say, hey, I see you. Why do I see you? Because I used to be you. I may not have done the same things that you've done, but I know where you're coming from. And you, know, you don't have to have been in prison before. You don't have to. You don't. You don't. Yeah. To, to understand and empathize with someone who also is suffering and to feel their pain. You don't have to have experienced the same pain to have compassion for someone that you see is in pain. Exactly. And now that knowing that you are in position to change this person's life, because all of us have been in a situation where we needed somebody to just give us that break, no matter what it is. And it seemed to us that we just could not get that break until we got it. <laughs> You understand what I'm saying? Until we got it. And, but before you get it, you just start losing faith. I mean, you just you stop believing in the impossible. And that's my message to anybody is to keep believing in the impossible. You know, keep the faith. Faith is evidence of things that are unseen. I mean, things that are whole for evidence of things that are unseen means if you can see it, then you don't have faith. You know what I mean? You got to have something that there isn't evidence to support it. There is no evidence. There's no evidence to support it. But you believe, keep believing in the end because it's impossible to society to think that a criminal can come over here and be successful. 
majority of people in the community, it's that's not impossible to them. So now it's your turn to show them to I believe in the in your impossible. So I'm going to show you this possible. If I didn't tell you my story, you wouldn't do. You, you would come to my office. You would sit down and you would just treat me as if I'm just this corporate guy. You know, I mean, I just I'm just still. That's just, what you are. I mean, exactly. you transformed into a successful entrepreneur. Exactly. And then, but if you had didn't know what I did, and only looked at my past, then you would put that label on my head. And that's what I'm trying to say is that, you know, it's like, this is my purpose. I can, yeah, I make pretty good money, but I, it's not about the money to me. It's about the movement. And when I say movement, it's about to creating, you know, portals, you know, creating outlets for people who need it. I mean, a guy come to me right now. Hey, man, I got a clean driver record. I'm having a hard time. Hey, I just want a career. I don't care about your fellow. If you 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 meet my qualifications with the the, the license and everything like that, you safe and you, you have a job. You know, God put me in a position to make you know not only give job, but I give careers. You know, especially that's a career, it's not a job. And you got to get this interview out to the folks in your area, in Dayton, Dayton area. Yeah, we got to. That's that's going to be step two. Um, you know, your mom. Man, words probably cannot even describe how proud she is of what you turned out to be. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, how how is it going to be different for your children? Because I've already I teach my children, you know, follow their dreams. Um, I teach them to you don't have to because like my, my youngest son, you know, he just hey dad, you know, when when I take over the business, we're not going to drive trucks. We're going to fly planes, you know, and I'm just like, wow. But I encourage him. I say, hey, no, I know this is when he was young. I'm like, you get older, um, you know, just, to, you know, have your own mind. You know what I mean? You know, strive for perfection. But don't forget about others. Um, yeah. You know, um, I, I. That's beautiful. Strive for perfection, but don't forget about others. Don't forget about others. You're not no less than anyone. You're not no bigger than anyone. We don't believe in titles. Um, you are perfect just who you are, no matter who you choose to be, as long as they're happy and they're content with what they want. I mean, it makes them happy. Then, hey, I'm there and I support that. But also at the same time, you support others. Um, and my kids is pretty good at that. I mean, I really I'm really proud of them. I mean, they're like the best in me. I'm not going to I really look at things through their eyes and I'm just like, wow, you know, I'm not you know, I'm not. They didn't have to go through what I went through, you know, without a dad, that void. You know, I'm here, you know, God bless me to still be here and to be alive, you know, to to watch these things, you know. Um, yes. You know, it's, yeah. it's, it's a blessing, yeah. Yes. So. so to summarize the keys for success for you, to me, uh, what I'm hearing is entrepreneurship. God, 
relationship with God, positive yeah. relationships with positive people, helping others, yeah. staying, staying motivated, even when doors don't open, using those resources, God, self-motivation, drive, helping others, and entrepreneurship is a, a, a recipe for success. Yes. Beautiful. Yes. Anthony, before we wrap up, I always like to ask just some fun questions. Um, share with us what your favorite movie, one of your favorite movies is. Oh, yeah, I got, I got quite a few of those. Um, I, I bet. <laughs> um, you know, uh, <laughs> let's see here. Uh, obviously, you know, like everybody, I'm not going to say the movie everybody else says, you know, we just talk about Scarface. And that's good, but um, <laughs> what's a movie that's also inspired you? Okay, movie that's inspired me. Um, I'll tell. I tell you, we were soldiers. Oh, I don't know that one. Neil Gibson. Okay. Um, and because reason I would say that he inspired me, man. Um, it was in the middle of war. And the way he led his people is the type of guy I will follow. Oh, beautiful. I got to check that movie out. I got to check that movie out. Like he, told, he said, listen, when we get ready to go to this war, they knew the Oscars against them. He said, but you know what? When we over here, there's no white, black, Asian. We're all one. He said, I cannot promise that I can bring you guys back. But what I can promise I will be the first foot step on land and I will be the last to come off and I wouldn't leave no man behind. And that just inspired me. That's how, you know, within life, you know, it's like um, sometimes you have to be like, you have to be brave that way. You know, it kind of goes back to that's just the way I think, you know, when I try to guide people or have employees say, look, there's nothing that I'm going to ask you to do that I'm not going to do. You drive trucks, guess what? I drive trucks. I had a cleaning business, you know, yeah, you didn't want to clean the toilets, guess what? I own the business, but I'm going to clean the toilets too. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you don't have to feel bad, you know. Um, that's right. That's, that's a lot of credibility too. Yeah. So that's definitely um, an inspirational move. Uh, a, a song that has inspired you? Um... Well, it's quite a few of those also. Um, a song. Mm. What comes to mind quickly? Um, I would have to say um, I have so many of them, man, but I would have to go with the um, with, with the uh, Certain gospel song, um, you know, uh, it's quite a few, man. Okay, we'll go with just gospel genre, unless unless you can think of it before I get uh, before we're finished. Um, video games, video games, yeah. My son gets me uh, too much on video games, but I'm more like a, a uh, black ops type of guy. Okay. So <laughs> uh, is that? Too much yet, my son. He's just a super, super game, so I can't go without playing with him. But uh, mine too. We're we're, we're right now into NBA 2K. See, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. I don't know 
play that. But if you do, I gotta get your yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're looking. For, we're looking for some uh, some people. Um, okay. Food. Mexican. I love everybody talking to me with that. I love Mexican food. I love Italian food too. But I'm just a a Mexican fanatic. When you talking about, yeah. So it's is Tuesday. Do you do or do you follow LeBron's? What day is it today? Oh, yeah, yeah. We got to go Tuesdays. Yeah. That's all through the Taco Tuesday, yeah. Love that, man. We love that. Oh, man. Um, this is about to wrap it up, but I hope you will give me an opportunity to check in with you down the road because we are on this journey together. Yes, sir. The journey ain't over. It's the pursuit of happiness. Yeah. And we're still climbing that mountain. There's still going to be difficult situations and we're going to have to use these resources that you just talked about. Self-motivation, God, positive relationships, giving back to others. And I would love to check in with you at another point down the road and just stay in touch and learn more about your journey. Man, I would love that. I would love that. Yes, sir. Beautiful. Beautiful. Well, that's a wrap, Anthony. Um, God bless you, man. Thank you for this beautiful story, this journey that you shared with us and congratulations on all your success, your triumph, your mm-hmm. overcoming so many obstacles, especially when you were at a very dark place mm-hmm. and you were able to overcome that and reach out for help when you needed it. Mm-hmm. Deep, dig deep down within yourself because unless, unless we do it from our own it, it doesn't, it just doesn't matter. So it's got to come from within and that's yeah. where it starts. So it's been a, it's been a pleasure to, and an honor to get to know you, man. And uh, I look forward to the next one. Hey, thank you. It's been an honor, man. I thank you for the, for the time to interview me, man. I really appreciate it. Gave me the opportunity to even get my story out, you know? Um, yeah. I, I really appreciate you, man. I'm looking forward to, to doing this, you know, like I said, down the road and, Whatever else I can do to help, hey, I'm here. Thank you, brother. I'm gonna. We're signing off until next time. Yes, sir. All right. That'll be a wrap. Yeah. Until next time. Thank you. This is All the right. team.